It's pea time again with me, Patricia, host of the Poetry Pea podcast. Today, I have another of our workshops for you with the highly talented Carla Ramesh. Carla has been learning, writing and teaching all things Japanese short form for over 20 years. And today, we're going to benefit from her thoughts on the cut and how we can achieve it in English language haiku. But before we get into Carla's talk and hear the delicious haiku that she's chosen to illustrate it with, there are some important reminders and a little bit of news. Shall we start with the news? I'm happy to say that the latest journal is out. That's issue 123. The link for the PDF will be on the website and of course in the show notes. It's in PDF form because that's the easiest and most sustainable way of doing things with such a global community of poets and writers. It really is a bumper issue this time with so many contributors who've written haiku, senryu, haibun, split sequences, and even an essay. Or is it another haibun? I'll leave that up to you to decide. But more about that later. All the proceeds help me to keep this show on the road. So thank you to everyone who has bought it and to those of you who will be buying it. I appreciate your contributions and your support. If you're listening to this in real time, that's July 2023, we have two submission periods running at the moment. There's a call out for Highburn submissions, your deadline being the 31st of July. Shane, our Highburn editor, and I will be reading during August with a goal of getting back to you by the end of August. So if you haven't heard by then, do please get in touch. Sometimes, you know, emails do go astray. And this is very important. The Highburn submission has a twist to it. Do listen, or at the very least, read the show notes for the talk that Kurt Paulish gave us in episode 17 of this series. You'll find it wherever you get your podcasts, our website, and of course, on the Poetry P YouTube channel. And remember that essay or Highburn I mentioned? Well, Kurt wrote it to help you with your submissions this time. It's in the journal. Ask any editor, the worst job we have is rejecting work. So please, please make sure you know the criteria this time. Now, while you're over at our YouTube channel, why not take part in our video prompt? Some of you know that I am taking tango classes and this time, my lovely teachers at Arte Dancer in Zurich have helped me with the prompt. Thank you, Elisa and Ariel. Just write your haiku or senryu in the comments. Linda will read them all and she'll choose her favourites for the feature on the podcast. And of course, they'll be printed in the journal. The prompt is a great way to get your poetry out there. So many people read the poetry as they get ready to leave their comments. So... Whether you get featured or not, do please have a go. Read other people's work as well and perhaps comment on them. And if you're coming to this episode sometime in the future, hello from the past. If you'd like to join in our writing, do head over to the submissions pages on the Poetry website and see what's going on. There's usually something. And if you've signed up to the mailing, you might be able to take part in one of our impromptu flash coup. But really, they are only for people on the mailing, so do sign up. 
Last and definitely not least, it was so lovely to meet some of the P community at the Haiku North America conference in Cincinnati. Thank you all for making a point of introducing yourselves. You've given me some great ideas for podcasts in the future. Keep your eyes peeled for what's coming up. Cincinnati was alive with haiku and Taylor Swift fans. Apparently, there's a lot going on at the moment. So, we're off to meet Carla again. If you enjoy this talk, do go and listen or watch her last appearances on the podcast. She was in episode one and seven of this sixth series. Yes, I know. She's becoming quite a regular. And as so often when I talk to Carla, there are some real light bulb moments for me. I'll expand about that at the end. And she does ask a very interesting question. Let me know what you think the answer is. So, let's get started. I was just telling our listeners and viewers that this time you're going to be talking to us about the cut. Something I know you've spoken about and written about in your career as a Japanese short form expert. And I'm so pleased that you agreed to come along and speak to us about what is an essential piece of the haiku craft. Thank you, Carla. Shall we hear your presentation? Thank you so much, Patricia. So through a pair of binoculars, the kiri, the cut. In short, can it be said, haiku is all about the kiri, the cut, and kigo, seasonal references? The Japanese language has certain specific words like ya, kana, kiri, and nari to show this cut in haiku. Please pardon my pronunciation in Japanese. I'm not very fluent in it. When writing in English, or in any of our regional languages, we need to use punctuation called the cut marker in place of such words. The cut marker is known as kireji, and people sometimes feel it's just a punctuation. But no, it's much more than that. If kire can be considered the soul in a haiku, then the kireji which so closely abets the kire can be considered the heart that encloses the soul. If I can be a bit dramatic. I had a small incident. Uh, uh, when my children were small and I had to meet them in school, I, I had a scooty or a small bike, which was very popular those days. I'm talking about some 30, 35 years back. And one day, in a hurry, the children were there, they had packed the lunch and everything, they had come down. And when I started the bike, it wouldn't start. My husband had already left for office. So I asked the others, they, they tried, kick, 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 it wouldn't start. So I pushed the bike to the mechanic. And what he did, in two seconds, the bike started. So I said, I was very curious. I said, how did you do this? How? Okay, he said, there's something called the spark plug, which I didn't know. He said, there's something called the spark plug. There are two points here. If it's jammed like it was in your bike just now, the bike won't start. If it's too wide, it won't start. It has to have just the 
right amount of space for it for the spark to happen and it clicks years 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 later in 2005 when i entered high school i happened to read i don't even know where i read it i happened to read something about the spark plug and the spark arrived i said what is this because i know something about the spark plug now uh, and it uh, the article said so beautifully that the spark plug is what analogy that used for haiku if the two images are too far away the haiku doesn't happen mm -hmm. if jammed the haiku doesn't happen it should have just the right amount of space for the whole poem to come together and that is the crucial thing if you remember that you know you will not jam your images you know you will not have a distant very distant images two images running uh, parallel but running so far away that it leaves your reader scratching their head saying what is happening here even this spark plug was not effective for my students they still struggle so i told them a very simple thing i told them if you go to a birthday party or when you were a 6 year old you go to a party the first table has cake cut into multiple pieces and your mother has told you don't just eat cake cake it's not good for you and you don't touch it it is cake cake and that is the jammed the haiku that is jammed with the two images running over of each other that is the plate with pieces of just cake you go to the next plate next table and there you see a piece of cake okay that's nice but a piece of maybe should we say a piece of mud a heap of mud you see what is the connection here i can't eat the mud and i i can't eat the cake because it'll be soiled with mud and no no this is not for me it is too wide apart and then the child comes to the third table and he sees or she sees the cake just one piece maybe two samosas um a lemonade sherbet and maybe potato chips or something like that and she says ah this is something that i like and this is what haiku is about both the images coming together when it comes together the whole haiku comes together the resonance and then uh, the depth and then all the aesthetics that japanese talk about the wabi sabi and then uh, mono no aware and then uh, you get you name it everything comes together because the two images have clicked and they've come together to yield to give much more than what the separate parts are and i hope you enjoyed the session and uh, yes certain things might be confusing but i hope it's not i'm trying to simplify it as much as i can that's what i've been doing carla i'd love to read the first one because it's one of my favorites temple path the dust i kick up sticks to me temple path the dust i kick up sticks to me by ed markowski this is without a kireji if you remember kireji is a cut marker which in english is a punctuation it's without a kireji like i just said the japanese language has certain specific words like ya 
Hana, Kerry, and Nari to show this cut in haiku. When the cut is very clear, a haiku doesn't need a Kereji cut marker. There are so many poets, so many poems you have read without any punctuation, but it's not difficult to read. It's not difficult to understand. The whole poem comes together because the kire, the cut, is so pronounced. It doesn't need a crutch. When the cut is very clear, a haiku doesn't need a kireji or cut marker, which in the English language is shown by the punctuations. This has to be very clear in one's mind. Because as we keep writing, this is more for the beginners, as, as you keep writing, you know that certain poems don't need a kireji. You don't need the punctuations. Okay? And certain poems need it for clarity. Now, this is a very deep and very philosophical haiku. In Hindu philosophy, because that is what I know, I can only go from known to the unknown. In Hindu philosophy, this is called prarabdha karma. The result of our actions, both good and bad, that we have done in our previous life comes with us into this life. The dust I kick up sticks to me. I went back to the prarabdha karma. I went back to our Hindu philosophy. That line spoke so much to me. So, what is he saying in three lines? Temple paths. He's already laid the foundation. It's a temple path. You're the religious type. You're going to a path. You're reaching. You're going to talk to God or the goddess, as in our case in India. Temple path. The dust I kick up sticks to me. It doesn't need a kereji, but the Kire is very clear after temple path that brings the backdrop on which the two lines are just opposed. And when it comes together, it says so much. Please remember the spark plug. Please remember the plate with full cake and the plate with cake and mud and the cake with everything which is beautiful. And so this is temple path. The dust I kick up sticks to me is a beautiful Birds repeat. It has everything that you can relish and you can enjoy and can remember forever. The fallen and the falling leaves. Ten years of war. When I saw this haiku, I fell in love with it. And later I came to know he was a Vietnamese. Uh, he had been to the through the wars, and so it spoke much more to me. The fallen and the falling leaves. Dot dot dot, which is the ellipsis. Very clear. The fallen and the falling leaves. Yes, we know in autumn. Or in certain countries, it's not autumn. It can also be in April, in May, like in, in India. When the leaves fall, it doesn't matter which month, which uh, season. When the leaves, the fallen leaves are there and the falling leaves are there. Ten years of war. What a punchline. What a punchline. It is too juxtaposed. 
And immediately you say, 10 years of war. Is he talking about the fallen? The people who are, who are dead. 10 years, how many people would have died? And how many people are still dying? And the whole poem opens out in such a beautiful way. It is not just about the falling leaves and the fallen and the falling leaves. There also, there's so much beauty. The tree is going to become bare in winter and then it's going to sprout and the, the tree is going to be full. For 10 years of war. No, what have we done to our people? The killing has happened. So many families without their breadwinner. So many families, the amount of juxtaposition, the amount of crisscrossing of of ideas in a person's, in a poet or in a, a person who enjoys this poem. The ellipsis says, please pause. The end dash says, hey, I'm putting it there so you notice there's a cut. The M dash is an emphatic dash. It gives so much importance to that first line when you give an M, emphatic, or on the second line when you give an M dash, it's emphatic. You cannot miss it. You should not miss it. And then, of course, there are other punctuations, but today I'm not going to talk about that. Here, the kire comes at the end of line two. This means it is a proper fragment and phrase format. The two line phrases comes first, followed by punctuation. Then comes line three, which again they say, here I want to tell you all, I don't know whether I'm wrong or right, but everyone, even now, so many good poets talk about the aha, aha moment. I think there's nothing called the aha moment. There's nothing, not in haiku. Everything is a aha moment for us. Every moment, everything that we realize is, is a beautiful moment. The minute we say a aha moment has to come on line three, very often, especially especially for the beginners, it becomes a contrived poem. So here, how natural it is, and what a punch that line is. The fallen and the falling leaves. Ten years of war. Notice how the kigo is embedded in the phrase. That is the beauty. The kigo is not their spring breeze, and then the poem. The kigo is. The, region, the, the seasonal references are embedded in the phrase. And those are the haiku that I really relish. The fallen falling leaves is autumn. We don't say autumn falling leaves and then say, oh, one line falling leaves. Oh, it's autumn. And then two other lines we have. No, he's holding that punchline for the last line. And he's taken the whole moment to show the fallen and the falling leaves, and then a punctuation, a, 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 a ellipsis, which says, pause, reader, please pause, reflect. 10 years of war, and we know what war happened, how much chaos and havoc it causes. And so line three is totally free to give depth and layered meaning to the poem. Karma Tenzin Wang Chuk is a Vietnamese war vet, member of the veteran Popis and a Buddhist monk. And this is reflected in many of his haiku. It's here completely. 
I hope you enjoyed it. Carla, can I just butt in and ask or say a couple of things? The first one is I'm so pleased that you mentioned this, this almost the subtlety of the Kigo here. It's not completely in your face with so many people, me included, I do it too, will write a, a haiku and make the the Kigo really obvious, so spring breeze, whatever, whatever comes afterwards, yeah. you know. Yeah. I hear what you're saying and I, I agree with you totally that where it is just incorporated into this fragment, uh, sorry, into the phrase, it's, it's beautiful. just beautiful the way that, the way that yeah. he's done that. So I, I, I agree with you totally there. In our previous poem, Temple Path, the dust I kick up sticks to me. Now, in this one, you spoke to us, you know, it's it's obvious you don't need to put any punctuation in there. You have a very clear break. Yeah. yeah. But then if we come back to this one, the fallen and the falling leaves, Kama Tenzing Wanchuk has decided to put the ellipsis in, into this one. Would it have worked without it? It would have worked, of course, because the the the, uh, the the two lines are very clearly, it is a different thought. Mm -hmm. But he put the ellipsis for you to take a pause mm -hmm. and not rush through it. The fallen and the falling leaves, years, 10 years of war is different. The fallen and the falling leaves, 10 years of war is different. You know, haiku is multifaceted. You have the kigo, you have the resonance, you have all the aesthetics that the Japanese, around nine or 10 aesthetics, you can take one or two and fit it into the poem. Then you have the wordless poem, you use the simplest of the words, you, you make it a concrete poem. It's so simple that it's just an image that strikes you. And then you also use the punctuation. Isn't that adding a little bit of touches, you know, in your grandmother's cooking? She puts this and she puts that and she puts and you say, ah, how did you do this? <laughs> Only she knows the amount of ingredients and the amount of things or no ingredients that she put. She made it bland and so it was good. Only she knows what she did on that day. I pay a lot of attention to the punctuations when I'm an editor. It means I, a lot. I agree with you that the... The, the ellipsis in this case really enhances the poem. And yes. I wonder if you need, well, maybe you don't need to, but you can really see how that enhances the poem, or really hear, I should say, how that enhances the poem when the poem is read aloud. Yes. We go to the next poem. Okay. By Chitra Rajapa. I know she lived in uh, Bangalore, and she had a three-month baby when she wrote this. But this poem is something that I use in all my workshops. <laughs> Thunderclap, emphatic, M-dash. It's that loud. It's that sudden. The sleeping newborn throws up her arms. You've seen that. You've seen that in babies. They react to thunderstorms. Storm. We go and mothers go and close the doors when the child has been having problems to sleep and they sleep. And then the thunder is there. We go and go close up all the windows, draw the curtains. We see to it that the sound is not too much for the baby because the baby, even in deep sleep, they can, they can be disturbed. And many times they throw up their arms like this. Thunderclap, M-dash, emphatic. The sleeping newborn 
throws up her arms so gentle that M dash makes the whole divide so beautiful. There is a loud noise, and because of the resonance, because of the loud noise in a sleeping child, which is a young three month child, her brain is young, everything is young, and still the resonance has happened in her, and she throws up her arms with such a delicate love. It is this coming together of a line with strength and a line with grace that M dash has made it possible. Because I know what M dash means. If you don't know what M dash means, then you'll say thunder, clap, the sleeping newborn. Yes, it's a beautiful poem. But have you noticed the strength of the thunder clap, the volume? The, the force of the thunderclap and what is going to happen later, that lightning is going to happen, it's going to pour. The sleeping newborn, it's not just a newborn, it's a sleeping newborn. The sleeping newborn throws up her arms. I think there's nothing more to say. It's just that here she uses the M dash, it's emphatic and readers can't miss it. Notice the resonance here, each word folding into the other. And that is made possible, like in the previous one, without an ellipsis. And here it's made, made possible because of the end dash. Now we go to the fourth poem. In the beginning, I didn't understand it. It took a long time for me to understand. And I show it to all my students in all my workshops. Half of them don't understand it. I say, it doesn't matter. It'll lie with you. And one fine day you'll get to know. You'll understand. Look at the urgency of aliveness. I use this term, urgency of aliveness. In this haiku by Peter Yogi. A falcon dives, how completely I surround my bones. It's thoughtful, thought-provoking, activity-based, and yet more, so much more than the sum of all its parts. Where is the kire here? The first example, the kire was very clear. Here, a falcon dives how completely? I can have the kiri on line two. Or you can see a falcon dives. The kiri comes there. Completely I surround my bones. Line two is a pivot. It's a hinge door. It'll, it'll join up the first line or it'll join up the third line. It's a bridge. But when you do the hinge door, when you see the second line is a is a pivot, it softens the urgency of aliveness. So I prefer to use the kire as coming at the end of line one. A falcon dives. We are all aware of how swift that can be. Then comes what I wish to call the urgency of aliveness. That activity moment, which is very difficult not easy to get something so effective. How completely I surround my bones. 
Just imagine you are on a hilltop and then suddenly you see a falcon diving towards you. What would you do? I would crouch, cover my head with my hands. In short, protect myself from the falcon. A falcon dives. How completely I surround my boots. What a beautiful expression. We never say how completely I surround my bones. When you surround something completely, it means you're protecting it. The child, the mother protects the child. When, when something darts into your eyes, your eyelids close. It protects your eyes. It's a reflex action. A falcon dives the next moment. How completely I surround my boats. I hope you enjoyed this, uh, these four haiku. Now, let us read what Vashu has said about kidding. First, the cutting word is inserted in order to cut the verse. You're all clear about that? The first, the cutting word, the cutting word is the ya, the four words I told you in the beginning. And for us in English language haiku, it is the punctuation, the cut marker. Okay, the cutting word is inserted in order to cut the verse, correct? If the verse is already cut, it is not necessary to employ a word to cut it. If the, the first poem, temple paths, the dust I kick up is so different from the temple paths. It's so clear. There was no need for it to have a punctuation mark. If the verse is already cut, it is not necessary to employ a word to cut it. If one uses one of these words in a hoku, remember Basha only wrote hoku, never knew the existence of haiku. It was only Shiki who later came and gave it the name of haiku. So he only knew hoku. If one uses one of these words in a hoku, seven or eight times out of ten, the hoku will be cut. If you've used that punctuation, the emphatic end dash or the ellipsis, the poem will be cut. The hoku will be cut, he says. The remaining two or three, however, please note, the hoku will not be cut even though it includes a cutting word. This is what beginners do, the mistake they do. They just say, oh. Well, the poems I've read have been having ellipses or m dash. Let me also put ellipses and m dash. One, they put it in the wrong line, or they put it where the poem is a run-on and it doesn't need a punctuation at all, and they just put it. So look what he says. If one uses one of these words in a hoku, seven or eight times out of ten, the hoku will be cut. Correct. The remaining two or three, however, the hoku will not be cut even though it includes a cutting word. On the other hand, there are hoku that are cut even though they include no cutting word. We've done all those examples. And I'm going to do later with you about including this one. The hoku will not be cut even though it includes a cutting word. We're going to do that later. Now, Shirani, who wrote this book, continues. 
For Basho, it was a cutting effect rather than the cutting word itself that ultimately mattered. Once you know you've been writing haiku and writing haiku, it is a cutting effect, the kire, more than the kireji, that is important. A hoku could be cut without a kireji, and the use of a cutting word did not necessarily ensure that a hoku had been cut. We've done that again, and we'll be doing it again. For Basho, the cutting effect was more important than the cutting word. That is the punctuation in English language. For him, the kire, the way we cut temple paths, the dust I, I kick up sticks to me. Temple path, there's a clear kire there, there's a clear cut there. That was more important for Basho than putting ellipsis or putting an M dash. A hoku could be cut without a kireji. Please remember, you don't need a kireji or a punctuation mark to cut. But again, like I told you, if you understand what kireji does, it's a tool. It's one of the many tools that we use to write haiku effectively. If you, if you know how to use it, don't make all your poems without punctuation marks. There are some the fallen and the falling leaves, ellipses, the pause, the break, the time, the space, the, the emptiness that thought gives. And then the 10 years of war says so much more. And this wouldn't have been as effective without the, the kireji or the punctuation. So let's take the run on haiku, something we often see nowadays. With so much importance given to Kire in haiku, can these run on be called haiku? And not regarded as the inner Renku verses which mainly rely on linking to the previous verse. Renku will teach you what it is to write a run on sentence, run on verse. All the only the first verse, which is called the hoku, which later became the haiku, is haiku. As we write all the other words, being like a pack of cards. If you remove the first hoku, all the pack of cards just fall down because they are not standalone haiku. So, what is a run-on haiku? I've tried to do a run-on. Where the morning mist colors the mountain tip, a bald eagle. I'm giving two images. Why do you say it's run on? There are two images. I'm talking about the mist, the morning mist, and where the which colors the mountain tip. That is one image. If you're going to paint, and then I'm going to draw a bald eagle. That's the second image. So it's a two-image poem, and Haiku's two-image poem. So what is wrong about it? What is a run-on haiku? Where morning mist colors the mountain tip, there is a bald eagle. That's what I'm saying, isn't it? I'm showing the tip of the mountain and there is the bald eagle. I'm saying there is a bald eagle. Or 
another way of saying it. A bald eagle where morning mist colors the mountain tip is what I've written. A bald eagle where morning mist colors the mountain tip. That is one image. Where is the kiri? Where is the cut? So now the student says, oh, we have to have a cut. We have to show. There are two images. So what do they do? They add a kireji. Where morning mist colors the mountain tip, dot, 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 a bald eagle. So where morning mist colors the mountain tip, ellipsis, pause, even a bald eagle. I've got two images. So it's a hypo with two images. No, it's a run-on. The bald eagle, where morning mist colors the mountain tip, there is the bald eagle. A bald eagle, where morning mist colors the mountain tip. It's a one line. It's, it's, it's one image that you're given. This way of showing the kiri or the cut when it's actually not there is something I call cosmetic punctuation. It has no meaning or any need to be there because the haiku is a run-on. So Carla, a question. Yes. Are you now saying that we should avoid the run-on? Ah, that's a beautiful question. It's a horrible <laughs> question. Haiku cannot be put into books. Haiku is a growing thing. It's not a, when we say it's a traditional art form, a traditional art form lives only when it is growing, when it's flowing, when, when it's not stagnant. And I always say a stagnant water, water stinks. The, the water should, the river should flow and, and tradition should flow. We use our intelligence. We use our, what to say, understanding. To say, how can I do this? How can I bring freshness to the poem? I'm not saying all run-ons are fresh. Some are so badly they are run-on. And then the punctuation makes it even more bad, worse. Mm -hmm. Look at this Paul O. Williams run-on sentence, which he wrote in 1989. And Frog Pond published it. Gone from the woods, the bird I knew by song alone. Where is the cut here? Where is the two images here? It's it's one sentence. Gone from the woods, the bird I knew by song alone. Basho has said, learn the rules, and then break it. I'm not saying run on is not a part of haiku because now it's becoming a part of haiku. But what I tell my students is understand what it is to use a kiri, to write a poem without a kiri, but still the kiri is there, to write a poem with a clear kiri, with a punctuation, kireji, to write a poem, a run-on sentence and know you're doing a run-on haiku. Don't be ignorant and so when the editor doesn't pick up, you say, why? Why hasn't my poems been chosen? Because maybe that editor doesn't want run-on sentences, run-on haiku. But had you known that you would have got a mix of haiku, 
one without a kire, one with a kireji, one, I mean, one with a kire alone, one with a kireji, a few with a kireji, one or two, uh, Rama. So maybe the higher, the editor would like one. You have to know the difference. As a haiku poet, you should know the difference. Then comes preference. Like I go in and out. Sometimes all my poems are without punctuations. I think ah, it's much deeper. There's so much yoga in there. And sometimes I'd say, no, no, no. The punctuations are essential. So I go through phases. I'm now going through a run-on phase. And I don't want to do that without understanding what a good run-on is. Look at Paul's again, I'm reading it. Gone from the woods, the bird I knew by song alone. Gone from the woods, the bird I knew by song alone. Each word is beautiful and there's no cut after any, after any line. So there's nothing wrong with Ramans, but it should be done well. That is there with every art form. We can all imitate uh, um, Picasso, but it should be good. What we are imitating should be good, should, should have something of that genius that he brought into his poetry. We can all imitate. That's what Vasho said. Don't imitate me. Then you'll become like half a melon, both identical. When you cut a melon, he says both are identical. Don't do that. Don't imitate me. We don't imitate, but we have to know the difference in haiku and kire. I'm sure there's much more to this that people can add. So I'm hoping that this is going to be the stepping stone for many people. Me too, Carla. Me too. <laughs> now we come to one line and I'll, I'll be ending my presentation with one line because the difference in one line haiku is there are multiple kids. That is the beauty. So the kire that is so important in haiku is not lost in one line haiku. It is reinforced. As I walk, the earth moves on bird song. As I walk, the earth moves on bird song. It's clear. It flows smoothly. I walk. I walk. As I walk, the earth. The earth moves. As I walk, the earth moves. The earth moves on bird song. Bird song as I walk. See the number of different meanings you get. I walk. As I walk, the earth. As I walk, the earth moves. Earth moves on bird song. Bird song. As I walk, it curls back. Srini is one of our new poets, doing exceptionally well. Between waves, the life of a footprint. Between waves, the life, no, the life of a footprint. Yes, between waves, the life. It's one breath, it just flows. The life of a footprint is so transient, it's just there. 
And when you say haiku poems is about the transience and the beauty, this poem is completely about Mono no Awari. See the depth of this poem. I think we should we should also say, shouldn't we, Carla, that Srini now goes by the name of Srini, but uh, yes, he I'm was not... actually Srinivas. Yes, so he stuck on to Srini, and now the other day he said, for all my Japanese uh, short form, it's Srini. He's a uh, teacher, and he writes structured uh, poetry and free verse and main verse poetry and all that. And for that, it's Srinivas. Yes. Oh, okay. So he differentiates. Yes. Excellent. Lovely. Carla, that was great. And as I said at the beginning, some wonderful examples there to illustrate the points you were you were making. You. And, it is 18 years, 19 years of my experience. I went and picked out the best for this. <laughs> the Monaco are especially interesting when you're doing cuts, because as you said, you can put so many you know, you can cut a good monocou, you can cut in so many places. And um, you talked about there not being an aha moment. You sort of give me a couple actually throughout this this presentation. And one of them was um, when you uh, read your poem, could you read your monocou for us again, please? As I walk, the earth moves on bird song. As I walk, the earth moves on bird song. Yes, the point I was going to make is that I hadn't thought about this before, and it was the same with Shrinis, which, um, let's see, Between Waves, The Life of a Footprint. Both of these, as you pointed out with your own one, have a sort of circular life about them. Because, yes. as you said, as I walk, the earth moves on bird song, but bird song as I walk, you know, it, it, it continues in a, in a circuit. A, a circle, which was a, a little bit of an aha moment there for me, Carla. I hadn't noticed that bef before. Now yeah. I'm going to be looking for it in everybody's. <laughs> I'm going to go through the things that I took from the presentation that I would like to see when people are looking, uh, are thinking about their submissions for us. And if I've missed anything, you put me straight. So Obviously, I love the ideas that the, the cake and the spark plug images you gave us. And then obviously, when the cut is clear, you don't have to add any extra punctuation to it, except as you showed us with um, oh, fallen. the fallen and the fallen leaves um, and the thunderclap. If you want to emphasize the cut in some way or another, or then show you, the pause. Yeah. Show the, ellipsis shows the pause. Says, yeah. hey, hold on, don't rush. Exactly. Okay. I was going to say, if you want to use the punctuation, be give the punctuation a reason to be there. You know, don't yes. just just don't just throw a bit of punctu punctuation in just to <laughs> highlight the cut. Make sure it's got a function. Okay, so I think those were the, the main things. And then of course we come on to if people want to write the right monocou for this particular submission then in in some ways it's a different ball game you are i think if, if anything you are more aware of how the cut how the poem can be read with the different cuts in the poem and i think that's the fascinating thing about monocou don't write a monocou that is just when well, if you go back to temple path you know it's just it's it's not just one line of poetry it's it's a line that can be 
split in so many different ways, can be read in so many ways, and possibly as as the examples you showed us can go in that lovely circular uh, yes. movement as well, which, as back, I said, yes. you know, we need to stop so I can go and play with that one. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much again, Carla, for coming. And uh, if people are worried, don't. Carla will be back because we definitely have a couple of topics that we we need to follow up on. So, Carla, goodbye for now and thank you very much. It's my honour. It's my pleasure. I Anytime you call me, I'm there for you. Yes. <laughs> thank you. Thanks, Carla. So, to reiterate, my light bulb, or should I say spark plug moments, were Carla's explanation of what you're trying to achieve with your cut. That spark plug really spoke to me. Did it you? And the Monaco with that circular momentum wasn't that great. And it didn't just stop there. That explanation of the run-on poem, I think is the best one I've ever heard. Carla asked, is a run-on poem really a haiku? What do you think? Do let me know. Email me. So what do we want when it comes to submissions on this topic? Well, you can send us your haiku or monoku, which has either a clear cut with no need for a punctuation, a clear cut with emphasis created by your punctuation, or a monoku in which your reader can create a cut in at least a couple of places. And if you're really going for it, try and create that circular effect that Carla and Shrini achieved. And don't forget, we really hate rejecting work, so please read the criteria. Well, thank you again, Carla. Thanks to all of you who've come along and listened or watched. It's an honour to have your company, truly. If you've enjoyed it, tell your friends. Poetry is for everyone. Perhaps even give us a review wherever you find your podcasts. They really do help us to spread the haiku word. There'll be another podcast along next week. Do join me then. But until then, keep writing. And if anything is missing from the show notes, do let me know by email, please. Ciao!